What is your take on the likes of, uh, say, Joomla, for example, like, in, like from the transition from say, HTML for web design and that? Do you have an opinion on Joomla? Um, I've never used it, so I don't have much of an opinion, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I've, I've heard good things from people who do use it, but uh, not having had direct experience with it myself, I, I can't say very much, unfortunately. <laughs> Any more questions? Yep. This is probably a question. After you were being um, uh, targeted by potential interested parties, mm -hmm. did you get any help in finally closing the deals on the business side you know, to make sure that you got a good deal sure. and you, know, yeah. you sold at the right price at the right, right, right. time, et cetera, et cetera? So our investors were actually uh, extremely helpful there. Um, I mean, we, we obviously had Y Combinator, and they, they were, I mean, they have guided several companies through acquisitions already, and so they had plenty of experience with it. Um, one of our other investors was uh, Chris Saka, um, who had, had just left Google uh, as their, the, his position there had been a, their head of special initiatives. And so he, again, had had a lot of involvement with, you know, Google's M&A, and obviously there's, there's lots of that. So they were always, um, quite close to the process, and uh, Chris in particular um, stayed, you know, really close to things. I mean, we would forward on different emails we were receiving, and, you know, he'd give his take, and, you know, basically just the day-to-day the -day stuff of, you know, how you should deal with different things and different issues and what sort of stuff tends to be significant and what you can safely ignore and all the rest. Uh, he was really helpful for that, uh, and so we, we definitely did have good support on that front, and, uh, I mean, for any company uh, entering into any sort of acquisition negotiations, uh, I do think it is really important and valuable to, to have someone who, is, who has gone through the process before, because uh, just, just knowing what things you should worry about and what things you shouldn't um, is, is a huge help. You made it very clear that you, you know, it, it didn't happen overnight. You had many, right. <laughs> many pitches in your underwear. Um, but for, we've got a lot of uh, people from um, schools here today who, yes. in this day and age, may have aspirations to be as successful as yourself fairly soon. You're only 20 still. What would be sort of your main points of advice for anyone who's got a little idea but wouldn't have a clue how to go about it being only 16, 17, 18? Right. Um, well, I guess my main advice would be, whatever the idea is, to, to get in a position where you, can, where you can build it yourself. I mean, so obviously with, with computers, that means yeah, I think you should learn to program, but you, even with something not necessarily to do with uh, computers, I think you should just acquire like, a very deep technical knowledge of the area. Uh, even if you don't actually end up doing most of, the, most of the development yourself, I think it's incredibly important that you have a really, really good understanding uh, of the area you're involved with. Um, and I mean, like, like I say, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to generalize too much because I mean, all of my experiences with computers, but uh, I think this is something that applies generally in business. And so, um, well, I suppose the, the other part of that is uh, for, for anyone thinking of starting a company, I would strongly recommend uh, doing something in computers for, for the reasons mentioned, uh, in the sense that it's just the, the startup costs are so low. And uh, you, you, you can get things up and running so fast. I mean, it's, it's like a really ideal proposition um, for, for young people. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I have huge respect for young people who manage to start uh, non-technology startup companies um, just because it's so much harder. Uh, but for, for people who kind of want to do something business-related and don't know exactly which area they want to get involved in, I, I would strongly recommend computers and the internet.
cool. Yeah. Do you think you were somewhat lucky with the support you got along the way? Despite, I mean, I know you had the hard times, but it seems sure. to me like even with your investors being yeah. so helpful, do you feel you got a lot of help? Oh, with, without that, that might be difficult to get w for other people. Or I, I think I think there's an awful lot of help available to to anyone who who goes looking for it. Um, and so, uh, I, I I would never say to someone, you know, um, like I I don't think anyone who who actually wants to get help will, will have a problem finding it. And there's there's a great culture of um, almost almost unreasonable helpfulness uh, in Silicon Valley. I mean, uh, one, of, one of my uh, strongest or most kind of memorable events was uh, a couple of weeks after we, after we got there, uh, the CEO of one of our competitors uh, dropped us an email asking if we wanted to, excuse me, um, catch up for a cup of coffee and just discuss things. And I mean, I mean, he was one of our competitors and you know, by rights we should have been at loggerheads, but you know, we, we met up, uh, you know, kind of there was this sort of tentative initial period where we're trying to you know, suss each other out. But we, we got over that and we, we actually had like a really good discussion and he gave us various bits of advice and you know, told us about different things he had learned you know, working in the eBay ecosystem and you know, different pieces of code we might be interested in taking a look at and all the rest. And, uh, I mean, and it was really good advice and we went and used it. And so uh, th this sort of mindset of, of helping out even when there's no uh, immediate or obvious kind of self-interest in doing so uh, pervades. Silicon Valley, and uh, it's, it's one of the best things about it. And I think, I think people there have kind of realized that um, what goes around comes around. Very good. Do we have any more questions on the floor? So we have one here. Uh, yes, go ahead. Sorry, what programming languages uh, do you use, and um, what do you see as the future of programming? What language? Right. Um, so for Octomatic, it was mostly written in Smalltalk, um, which I, I, don't, I guess there's probably quite a few people here who haven't come across it. It's a pretty obscure language originally developed in the 70s, um, and it was one of the first object-oriented languages. Uh, there, <laughs> I mean, I think I only know, you know, maybe five people or so who actually program in Smalltalk, you know, day to day, and so it's a, it's a really obscure minority language, but uh, I know, I had previously been a Lisp programmer, which is also like a really obscure minority language, so I was, I was kind of used to being on the fringes in that sense. Um, we felt that Smalltalk was a, a pretty good fit for the kind of stuff we wanted to do with Octomatic. Um, and I guess, more importantly, we felt that uh, you, you really shouldn't choose a programming language based on how easy it is, how easy it is to, to, to find people uh, who, who already know it. I think it's much more important to find a language that kind of s suits the problem you're working on. Um, all the people that we hired uh, had never, I mean, had, had hardly even heard of Smalltalk previously. Uh, everyone had to learn it as soon as they joined the company. And uh, that, that was never a problem for us. If you, if you, if you get smart programmers, um, th there's never a problem, you know, having them pick up another language. And so, uh, yeah. And with respect to the future of the languages, what do you Sorry, yeah, the German second part. Um, I said, <coughs> excuse me. I, I mean, it's, it's kind of strange in that my, my two favorite languages are Lisp and Smalltalk, and these are both extremely old languages. Uh, and so, to, to, to whatever extent I, I have ideas about the future, I mean, programming has kind of, uh, there have always sort of been, you know, two, two families of languages, you know, the, the Algol stroke C family, and that, that's kind of grown down through uh, various iterations of becoming more dynamic. Uh, and then there was this, you know, uh, sort of Lisp Smalltalk family, which has always been very much on the fringes. Um, and uh, even though by popularity the, the 
C family um, ha has always prevailed. I think that's gradually swinging in towards like you know the the list of small tech side of things. And so, um, I mean, <laughs> it's always a bad idea to make predictions, especially when they're about the future. Um, but uh, I see the the Lisp Smalltalk family of languages, uh, yeah, be, be, being the future of programming languages. Yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> okay, we have a question over here. Yeah, would you agree that um, the kind of lack of technical community is equal, if not greater, problem than um, the sort of red tape associated with getting sure. investment capital in Ireland? Right. Well, I think that's kind of a chicken and egg problem, right? I mean, uh, is the I think to a fairly large degree, the, the lack of a, to, to whatever extent there is a lack of a technical community, I think that's, a lot of that is because of the lack of a good investment community. And I mean, okay, sure, you can debate which is the original cause, but um, I certainly think that there are, there are a lot of extremely good technical people that come out of Ireland, and there are certainly plenty uh, such that, that there could be a very vibrant uh, technology scene here. Uh, and I think the, the the reason that it's it's not stronger than it is is because so many of the people leave the country, right? Um, I think a strong investment scene could go a long way towards changing that. Um, I mean, you, you you really don't need a, a huge number of people to you know uh, to, to start creating that like network effect. And uh, I mean, now being in Vancouver, I I kind of see that. Um, Vancouver is in a somewhat similar position to Ireland in the sense that you know they they have a, a fairly good technology scene, but I mean they would like it to be stronger, and they're always sort of comparing it to Silicon Valley. Um, but they have a, a significantly better investment community, um, and as a result of that, they uh, they're they're actually starting to build a pretty decent you know uh, just general technical community and you know uh, sort of uh, I know. D different groups of programmers and companies are sort of spring up in the in the Vancouver area, and the the main difference I see between Vancouver and Ireland is uh, is not the, the the people themselves or the kind of uh, technical people the areas are producing, but just the investment community. Uh, um, moving in to work in a company, and um, how many are working underneath you? And are you um, your director? So are there people? Are you director of people who are a lot older than you? Um, so, in terms of integrating into like a, a larger company or whatever, um, the transition actually wasn't that difficult. I think mostly because the, the company wasn't that much larger. larger. Uh, I think to, to move into you know a, a company of, of a couple of thousand people would have been a much more awkward transition. Uh, but you know, going from a company of whatever we were, seven or eight people. To a company of 30, 40, 50 people, it's it's not all that different. And I mean, it, you you, st you still know everyone's names and know everyone, and there's still you know, like a, a similar kind of small company vibe. And so, it, in that sense, it, it wasn't too hard. Um, how many people are under me? I honestly don't know offhand. I mean, uh, the, I know that the whole hire. I mean, because we're still a pretty small company, the whole hierarchy thing just just is not particularly strong. Um, and so. I, I, for, for some given person, I mean, I even have to think, you know, like, hey, are they under me or not? I mean, I, I just don't know. Uh, are you aware of being 20 and, and <laughs> supervising as such someone who might be 30 and does that feel off to you? Or? I mean, yes, that, that, that is the case. Um, I, I don't feel particularly odd. I mean, I think people generally treat you the age you act rather than the age you are. 
Um, and so I've, I've never had any particular problem there. Um, and that, that's also something I think the, the US is pretty good at, uh, and I guess Canada, North America generally. Um, because, because, I mean, there, there, has, there is a, a fairly strong tradition of young people, I know, being very successful, right? I mean, there's the Gates and the Zuckerbergs and all the rest. So I, I don't think people there find it all that strange. Um, in terms of, you know, when you were a kid and, and school and that and, and your first computer, when you, you know, when you had your first computer, was there this eureka moment where you, you all of a sudden you, you knew how to program or you, you know, was it something that you had to work at or? or right. Um, right from when we got our first computer, I knew that, uh, I mean, I, I was immediately kind of obsessed with it. Um, and so, yeah, like I... When we got it, I mean, I was never thinking of like, you know, careers or jobs or the future or anything like that. But certainly from the very beginning, it was something I was like really interested in. Um, I didn't start programming until I was maybe, I think, 13 or 14 or so. So I, I, I mean, you, you hear these people in the US, you know, who start, you know, when they, they could barely talk or whatever. And I was, I was certainly not one of those people. Um, but fr from when I started programming again, I, I, I mean, I was, I was hooked straight away. And so uh, I spent an awful lot of time throughout secondary school. Uh, programming. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, it wasn't like a gradual sort of transition to being involved with computers or anything like that. I mean, right from the very beginning, I was, I was pretty much hooked. We have another question over here. Sorry, but you yep. mentioned at the start that you didn't have a leave insert. Yes. And uh, do you think that was actually uh, an advantage to you and you didn't have to concentrate on that stuff and you were concentrating all your effort on, on program? Right. And the second part of that question is, uh, when you left college uh, after your first term, do you think that was also an advantage in that you weren't like institutionalized, you know, into that way right. of thinking? Right. Um, so with regard to the leaving cert or whatever, uh, the the reason I didn't do it was just that I, uh, uh, I I wanted to do it sooner, basically. And so uh, my original plan was to kind of do the leaving cert uh, at the end of what would have been my fifth year or whatever. Um, but the, the Department of Education actually doesn't allow you to do this, and so I ended up just uh, doing the A-levels myself. Um, I mean, and, and so in that sense, uh, like I, I did a kind of equivalent exam, and so even though I didn't do the leaving cert itself, I don't think, I don't think my experience was massively different to everyone else. Um, five subjects, didn't you? Four, four, four. four. Yeah, what yeah. Was chemistry, physics. Yeah. So the, so the great thing about the A-levels is you can. Uh, <laughs> there, there, are, there are no compulsory subjects, and you know, so if you're, if you're not a big language person, you just don't have to do any languages. And so um, I did uh, maths, physics, uh, computing, and chemistry. <laughs> and got what in all of them? I got four A's. Um, Says he very meekly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so w with regard to the college thing, um, uh, there, was, there was actually a similar question last night. And uh, I mean, this, this is something I've, I've kind of been wondering about myself. Um, I went away and actually looked into this to, to see if there, there is any kind of correlation between um, level of kind of educational achievement and uh, entrepreneurial success. Um, and there is a correlation, but it's in favor of education. <laughs> and so I, I, think, uh, I, th I think this kind of popular perception of uh, you know, really successful business people being you know, school dropouts, whatever, is or, or, or may actually just be uh, random bias. Uh, I mean, sure, Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates and Wozniak uh, were all college dropouts. Um, but as you kind of move further down that list, you know, 
pretty much all the guys there uh, have college degrees. And so, uh, so, so I, I guess the, the sort of two answers to that question of like how college influences it. And the first is I don't think it actually matters all that much. And to whatever extent it does matter, I think college is actually probably not a good thing. And I mean, I, I certainly have no particular aversion to college or anything. And I mean, it's, it's something I can imagine myself finishing it at some stage. Do you think you might go back to MIT then? I mean, I've, I have no plans at the moment, but I, I would consider it at some point. I mean, is the, the door open for you? Just, well, this, this, is, this is the great thing about the, uh, about the US college system. Uh, you, can, you can take time off at any point. Um, I actually didn't tell them that I was going to uh, defer until the first day of my second semester. Um, but I, I walked into kind of the registration office, said I would like to put everything on hold, and essentially I just had to sign one form, and, and that was it. Um, and yeah, I can, I can now go back uh, pretty much any semester in the future. And so just having that sort of flexibility is, uh, is obviously a huge advantage in that if, if, I had to, if I had to have had made like a, a definite commitment that I was leaving um, in the very beginning, I don't think I'd have I would have been pre prepared to do that. Um, but given that, you know, the worst case scenario was just, you know, we decided to start this company and then it, it went nowhere and whatever, I mean, I could have just resumed stuff, you know, the, in, in six months' time. And having that safety net below you is, uh, well, was certainly pretty important for me and I think uh, is a, a big reason why so many people do not feel much uh, hesitation in, in taking time off. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm afraid we're out of time, but that was absolutely brilliant. Very interesting. I'm sure you all agree. Patrick Collins and yeah. everyone. Thank you very much.